How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And here we are, back at it again. Um, okay, so we're going to change things up just a little bit today. We're not going to continue on our regular Bible study. Um, hope you don't mind. I'm just going to bring up a uh, just a, a shorter little study here, that uh, one that I, I wrote up a few years back. I realized I didn't have a designated video to this uh, particular Bible study, and uh, and that's what we're going to be looking into today. Um, unfortunately, I don't have the energy in me to be able to do a longer one. I haven't been getting much sleep. My wife's really sick right now, so I've been taking care of her, and um, we're just not getting much sleep right now, so I just... I'm just going to bring up this little one, so I hope you don't mind. I'm sure you don't. Um, but yeah, it might be just a regular service length, um, not a uh, Brother Matthew length. <laughs> Usually we go like two and a half hours. Okay, so what we're going to be looking at here is an example of, in the volume of the book, it is written of me. We hear this uh, a few times throughout the Word of God, the Lord repeating this line, and the volume of the book is written of me. Well, a few years back, I was uh, doing a course uh, through Andersonville Theological Seminary, and uh, we were going through the study of the book of Judges, and I had to do an exam, and they wanted uh, the students to pick any individual through the book of Judges and write up uh, a little essay on it on that individual and so normally people would be picking you know the standard um you know and uh i want to actually put to test this aspect of scripture in the volume of the book it's written of me and that in every aspect every picture every image every teaching every part of the word of god there are pictures of jesus christ and i really wanted to put that to the test so I decided to pick an obscure individual that almost nobody's really familiar with or even heard of. You may have read of, the, read of this individual, but you don't really recall him. And that is Shamgar, the son of Anath, in Judges chapter 3, verse 31. So please grab your Bibles and notepads and pens, grab your tea, grab your coffee, and turn with me to Judges chapter 3, verse 31. Now, it's just one verse, one little itty-bitty verse that uh, talks about this individual, that describes them, and uh, again, that the test that, we were go that I was going to do was to see is it really true in the volume of the book is written of me in every aspect throughout the word of god it speaks of jesus christ because when we look at this verse from the outset it doesn't really seem to say much it doesn't really seem to give us a lot of detail in all this it's just a few things but what i want to show you is this is what the Lord has taught me when it comes to studying the Word of God. This is what happens. There's the big, big difference between reading your Bible and studying it. So, if we take Judges chapter 3, verse 31, let's read it. And after him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, 
which slew of the Philistines 600 men with an ox goad, and he also delivered Israel. Okay, so if we read the Bible, you take your time, do your uh, devotions, and read your Bible, you read that verse, and what do you get out of it? What do you get out of it? Well, there's a fella named Shamgar who fought the Philistines, killed a whole bunch of the enemy, and he delivered Israel. Okay, base narrative. Base, base context of the narrative. That's the what. What is going on? That's what is going on. And now this is where we break it down. You see, here at Christian Coffee Time, we teach a three-point system. That's the three-point uh, uh, three system of Bible study and uh, exploring of the Word of God. And this method that we use called the Berean method breaks it down based off of Acts 17, 11, but helps us to see the what, the how, and the why of scripture. What it's saying, the narrative of the text, and then we back up, going again over it slowly, taking a look at the how. How is it specifically being said? The specific words and the pictures and the images, doing the word studies, and how can I pair what I'm reading with other aspects of the word of God? Where else does it talk about this? And so we explore the how, and that is applications to see interpretation is the what, you know, what is it saying, the base narrative, and then application as there's multiple applications of the word of God. It can be applied mentally, physically, spiritually, circumstantially. But again, what it says is what it means. There's only one interpretation, but there are multiple applications. Application is not interpretation and vice versa. All right, so the third and final point for this is okay the what understand what is going on and then how all the details and how how can i pair scripture with scripture rightly dividing the word of truth line upon line precept upon precept here a little there a little as says the prophet and then we take a look at the why why is this important why should i do it like this why should i apply it to myself to go live it speak it think it do it so personal application as well in this in the why of now living the word of god demonstration interpretation application demonstration the what the how the why okay so with this when we now take this verse you want to read over it and jot down the points that you see of names places things events specific de detail descriptors of the verse and then do a study now you read it you get an idea of the what and then you study it to get an idea of the how so let's take a look now shamgar the son of anath now not much is said about him not much is mentioned in the historical sense of the actions and heroics of shamgar but the biblical pictures and images are indeed many. When we actually break it down and take a look at these things, I'm just reading off my old uh, exam notes here. So when we break it down, again, idea of the details. Like, for example, what it says here, Shamgar killed 600 Philistines. Right off, we know that Shamgar is strong and confident. That this kind of an individual to be able to do this kind of a feat, he's got to have quite the composure. He's got to have quite the stomach for this. And he's got to be of, uh, of set fitness to be able to wage war like this. This is, this is quite a feat. And so you know he's strong and confident to be able to conduct such a feat. But as we take a look further, he says he killed 600 Philistines with an ox goad. 
All right, do you know what an ox goad is? Do you have an idea what an ox goad is? An ox goad is a farming cattle implement that is meant for work, but in this case, used as an opportune instrument for war. This gives the impression that when we now start to break down the context here and play like Sherlock Holmes, for example, a detective on this verse, and we start to now scrutinize the character of the individual and the reasons you now want to ask why, what, how. You want to ask all the questions and start to fill in the missing gaps. For example, why did he use an ox goat? Think about it. Ask why. Why an ox goad? Why didn't he have a sword or a spear or something else? So this either gives the impression, because of the ox goad, that A, he did not know how to properly use military weapons, or B, he himself did not own a real weapon. We could also throw in there that he didn't own, or that there was nowhere around where he could acquire one. Because not being able to use a real weapon skillfully leads one to think that Shamgar was a lowly farmer and not able to join the army of Israel. Or is it possible that he was unable to, uh, unable to physically fight due to physical defect or ailment? So now we start speculating. So we take biblical speculations, biblical hypotheses like this i.e. biblical theory, and you bring it in, and using the word of God, you can start to dispel some of the ones that may contradict or don't make sense or whatever, some of the different theories. You start to now play devil's advocate against your own theories, bouncing back and forth with the word of God. So, not having a weapon, let me take a look at the one where he just didn't have one, not having a weapon or just not simply in a position to acquire one, gives the impression that Shamgar, the son of Anath, was not someone that was given to violence or war himself, based on the fact that he didn't have any weapons in his ownership. No weapon was handed down to him through the family, as generally, as you'd see that the fathers would hand down the weapons, all this stuff down to their children. And the fact that he didn't have any, we could speculate that this is the possibility that none were handed down to him through the family either. And no friend or neighbor was able to provide one for him. So you really see how one verse really starts to flesh out, really starts to fill up. You start building a whole story when you start breaking it down. So either case, physically not able for some reason or another, or just not in a position to have, either case puts Shamgar in a very dangerous position of not being able to properly defend himself. And it also paints a picture of him that would lower his standing among the defenders of Israel. Because, well, especially at this time with so, so many of uh, the enemy coming in and trying to take the land, it was a very uh, notable, honorable, uh, patriotic thing to stand for your country, fight for your country, fight for your land and defend Israel against all of the pagans, all that kind of thing. And the fact that he was unable to kind of Put, puts a mark against him. So, either case puts Shamgar in a very dangerous position of not being able to properly defend himself. And it also paints a picture of him that would lower his standing among the defenders of Israel. Thus, the great slaughter of the enemy by his hand 
would have shown that God did indeed choose the weak things of the world to confound the wise. Much like we see Gideon, the story of Gideon. He started with 30,000 men and it got whittled down to only 300. Only 300 men against all of the massive force of the enemy. Because, again, it's all about the power of God, not the power of man. I want to show God's competence, not so much ours. So, thus, the great slaughter of the enemy by his hand would have shown that God did indeed choose the weak things of the world to confound the wise. He would have been seen as being foolish to take on the enemy in the manner that he did. But as is seen throughout scripture, the actions and intentions that are done to honor God will be blessed. So we take a look, for example, let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 for a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting at verse 25. This is where we see it. Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting at verse 25. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world, and things which are despised, hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. That no flesh should glory in his presence. Okay, so this goes, if I can rabbit trail just for a moment, uh, I hear a lot of people talk about, for example, the story of Samson. The story of Samson. And uh, you see imagery pictures cartoons paintings you know designed up imagery of samson knocking down the pillars or fighting the lion or whatever and they always show him as some this muscular greek god physiqued kind of individual no no you see if we take the word of God and what it shows, and this is why the Philistines were so just aghast at his, his abilities and things, why they had no idea where his strength came from. But if the dude, if Samson looked like the Incredible Hulk, why would they even be asking where does his strength come from if he's rippling with muscles? That they would be speculating that he, it, well, it's his muscles. But if Samson, for example, was just this average, everyday Joe Blow on the street, and he looked, he had no physique, it just this skinny-armed little dude, then surely the people would be wondering how he's getting his strength because he there's literally nothing about him that would say otherwise. That that they would go to show that obviously there's a God with him. So. And that's how I kind of see Samson as just that this very average-looking individual that just is not overly muscular. That's how I see Samson, because that also goes into what we just read in 1 Corinthians, how God chooses the weak things, the base things. Because it's all about the boast of God, not the boast of man. You see that? So, coming back to Shamgar in Judges 3, 31. Shamgar... As we see here, 
because of what of what we're shown shamgar used only an ox goad and there was no one else with him he had no weapons of war shamgar as we see here using the ox goad similar to samson using the jawbone of a donkey shamgar was seen as a weak man to the world shamgar was seen as a weak man to the world unskilled and unequipped for war like david using a sling and refusing the king's armor and weaponry but with the power of god at shamgar's side he defeated the enemy and saved the nation those called by god and given a purpose will be mighty and equipped by the power of god through faith shamgar was called by god to be a judge of israel do you not think that the lord would equip him that the power of god the supernatural power of god the might of god would be with him if he was chosen by god to be the judge of israel do you not think the lord would be with him so thus we see this aspect shamgar called by god to be a judge of israel so place ourselves in this we are called of god to be witnesses of the lord do you not think that the Lord will be with you? That to those called uh, called and appointed by God to be missionaries, evangelists, pastors, preachers, teachers, whatever. Do you not think that the Lord is going to equip you for the calling? He's going to equip you with all that which is necessary for the calling. So Shamgar was called by God to be a judge of Israel. A base man, weak in an earthly sense but mighty warrior and judge by God. This surprised the enemy. As they're looking only at the base matters of the world, i.e. the outward appearance. They're only looking at the matters of the world, looking for weapons that are carnal. Not weapons provided by God, as we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Like, for example, you see Elijah. Elijah, uh, when he called down the fire of God on Mount Carmel. And then later, later on, if you keep reading, as, as Elijah sitting on the hillside and all the, uh, the king's armies are coming to try to come and arrest him. And he calls down hellfire upon each enemy army that comes against him, call, calling down fire after fire upon them and destroying them. Uh, weapons of our warfare and our carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Faith, as we see here, doing a study on faith, faith is believing trust. Faith is not works. Faith is not faithfulness. Faith is believing trust. Faith is the great picture of Shamgar, the son of Anath. Faith that the, quotation marks, weapon, provided will stand up to the mighty forces of the enemy, that it won't break. Because an ox goad, if you do a study on this, and you go and actually research an ox goad, it's just a stick that's anywhere from three to four feet long that has a little teeny spike on the end. That's all it is. It's not a spear. It's not a sword. It's just a little stick that has a little metal, metal prick on the end for poking the cattle just to get them moving. That's all it's meant for. That's all it is. It's not a weapon. It's not designed for impact it's not designed for war but somehow this weapon held up somehow this instrument held up it didn't break 
and it worked in the hands of Shamgar, and he was able to defeat a force of 600 armed Philistine soldiers covered in armor, uh, uh, covered in weapons and, and veterans of war. Shamgar is not a veteran of war, but the 600 armed, armored Philistines are veterans of war, and his ox goad defeated them in his hands. So faith is the great picture of Shamgar. Faith that the weapon provided will stand up to the mighty forces of the enemy. Faith that his inability, his inability, will be enough to wage war and defeat their stronghold. But as called by God, he was chosen to bring the people to remembrance of God and his commandments. Whereas, like Moses and his simple staff, he led the people from bondage, and now with an ox goad, Shamgar will again deliver. As Moses used no military might, military force to defeat Egypt. He, he used no weapons of war. He, he stood there with his, with his shepherd's staff, spoke the word of God, and the power of God defeated Egypt. You see this? So, again... We got to be careful about judging after the outward appearance. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 32, but when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. As we see, the world looks at the outward appearance and we're supposed to be judging righteous judgment. This is be judging righteous judgment. As we see in the word of God, how it says how, how in 1 Peter chapter 4, that they will think you strange. You're strange. You're not like them. You don't talk like them. You don't walk like them. You don't work like them. You don't even pray like them. We are completely set apart so different. We come onto the battlefield equipped, equipped by the power of God, not by the power of men. We step in the pulpit with the words of God, not the words of men. It's the word of God that, that changes the heart and the mind, not the philosophies of men. You see, what the world thinks is what you need is not what God says you need. You take a look at Goliath, how Goliath scorned David when David come running out and David called him a dog and accused him and abused him and all this. And because he just saw this little boy with this little sling. And here's Goliath, the champion of the Philistines, clothed in all of his armor with his, with his massive spear, like a weaver's beam. And he's standing there boasting out about the power of his gods and slighting the God of Israel. And all the army of Israel was cowering in the ditches. And here comes a little boy running across the field, grabs a little rock and puts in his little sling. And Goliath is just belly laughing. But God can use the, just the strength of a little boy. God can use anything. God is God. Nothing is above him. Nothing's beyond him. Nothing is outside of his ability. It doesn't matter who or what you are, what you have. It doesn't matter how much education you have. He can use unlearned fishermen to confound the wise. But when we are judged of God. When God judges us, he sees us, sees our abilities, all these things. We put ourselves in the hand of the Lord. We are chastened of the Lord. We are equipped and we are furnished by the power of God that we should not be condemned with the world. We are set apart from the world. We're not a part of them. We're not like them. We're only sent to them to tell them they must repent. So let's take a look at another angle here. As Shamgar, the son of Anath, 
which slew of the Philistines 600 men with an ox goad, and he delivered Israel. Um, I wanted to take a look at, uh, see what other people had to write about him. I was just curious if anyone else had actually said much about him. And I found something interesting in Ellicott's commentary for English readers. He had an in interesting little blurb here. So looking into Ellicott's commentary for English readers, he says here, as it says, uh, Shamgar, the son of Anath. Okay. The son of Anath. There was a Beth Anath in Naphtali, but Shamgar could hardly have belonged to northern Israel. We know nothing of Shamgar's tribe or family, but as neither his name nor that of his father is Jewish. This is where it really starts to get interesting. Shamgar, Anath, son of Anath, Shamgar and Anath are not Jewish names. So we know nothing of Shamgar's tribe or family, but as neither his name nor that of his father is Jewish, it has been conjectured that he may have been a Kenite. A conjecture which derives some confirmation from his juxtaposition with Jael in Judges chapter 5, verse 6. Shamgar means the name Shamgar. This is where it really gets interesting. The name Shamgar means name of a stranger or a stranger there okay okay so literally a stranger was called of the earth to do the bidding of god and deliver his people from bondage and oppression of the enemies of god we, as Christians, are strangers in this world, called of God to preach the salvation of Christ, which will deliver the sinners from bondage. Let's break this down. So Shamgar is a picture of the Christian, using no might of his own, no warring equipment of his own, but as a lowly stranger to the world and being equipped by God, he's a conquering hero against the Philistines. Let's take a look at another excerpt. I like how Matthew Henry's concise commentary states Shamgar's feet. This is what Matthew Henry's commentary had to say on this. God can make those serviceable to his glory and to his church's good whose birth, education, and unemployment are mean and obscure. It is no matter what the weapon is. If God directs and strengthens the arm, often he works by unlikely means, that the excellency of the power may appear to be of God. Thus, like what I said about Samson, for example. And is this not exactly the point and reason why God chooses the weak things, the base things, the impossible things to bring him the glory because when we look at it if there is if there is even the remotest possibility that the feet whatever the circumstance could have been done by me people wouldn't be looking at god they would see no supernatural aspect to it they'd only be looking at me giving me all the glory because they would see no hand of god but if i'm completely mean and obscure as the wording of matthew henry here uh, completely unable incapable 
and I achieve some massive feat, people would see that, well, obviously there's something else behind this. Like uh, Gideon's 300 men taking over, was it the Moabites? I think it was the Moabites. Moabites that looked like like a like a a, a huge plague of locusts. Uh, just like hundreds of thousands of them, and somehow three hundred little men defeated them. Well, clearly there's a power behind this. Clearly there's something else. And if Samson just looked like your average jo- Joe Blow, John Smith, you no musculature at all, just this this little little man, and he's pushing over temple pillars he's ripping off the gates of gaza with his bare hands which by the way if you actually do a study on the city gates they actually found the ruins of gaza and they were able to speculate that the gates of gaza would have been anywhere to two to seven tons okay that really makes the picture more insane samson ripped the city gates off their hinges with his bare hands, piled them on his back, and walked them up a hill and dumped them on the top of the hill. With all of the Philistine soldiers standing around just jaws scraping gravel watching this, and they didn't even dare move, and they were there to arrest him and kill him, but they couldn't even approach him because they were so shocked by what he's doing. He tore the gates off and carried them up a hill. Um... That proves there's a there's a supernatural power behind this. But if Samson was just some great big giant muscular incredible Hulk, they would have seen nothing special about it. Just he was a big dude. So it goes to show why God chooses the weak things, the base things, because it speaks of him. It, it's proof of God. When the weak things, the base, base things succeed, it's a proof of God. It's a proof there is a God and that God is behind it. Every vessel chosen by God has a great purpose and ability. And we are not to judge and call foul when we ourselves do not understand how it's possible. Because some people are reading that, well, I don't see how that's possible, how Samson could do that. Well, you're right. You're 100% right. He didn't do it. No human could ever do that. God did it through him. Just as the apostles were not the ones that healed the sick and all this stuff, it was the power of God through them. It wasn't Peter and John that healed the crippled man at the, on the temple steps. It was God through them. And God working with them, confirming the word with signs following. You see that? So we see in Matthew 19, verse 26, But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Peter, it wasn't the power of Peter that caused Peter to walk on the water with Jesus. They were not miracle men. They had no power in and of themselves. So as we see, the name of Shamgar means a stranger there, a stranger in the land. He was a stranger in the land, unknown, unskilled, improperly equipped, but was given honor by God, blessed by God, strengthened by God, and also was praised and sung about in the song of Deborah in Judges chapter 5. He was immortalized and given place with the great rulers of Israel. Again, just a 
a a single line in the in the song of Deborah as she just mentions just what verse 31 of Judges 3 says just about his name and what he did no other details you get no other details other than what's already told he was immortalized and given a place with the great rulers of Israel no longer a stranger no longer a lowly man but given a place among the children of God you see the pieces starting to click together here. So this is a picture of promise, glory, and honor to those that follow the leading of the Lord. Called by God and shown the path to walk, using what we cannot perceive as being effective. But is mighty and powerful against anything that the enemy wields. The ox goad now, which is really interesting, the ox goad is seen as a symbol of of the weapon provided by God. And with the Christian, this is the sword of the word of God. Which indeed, when we hold it, when we use it, when we wield it, the sword of the word of God, this weapon is indeed seen foolish. It is indeed seen as foolish, but the sword of the word of God destroys the forces of the enemy and puts to flight all that stand in its way. As you see in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 to 13. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So, the weapon of choice is foolishness to the enemy and those that stand against God. A simple stick with which to guide the cattle is strong enough to bring hope and freedom. This is also seen in, in the book of Acts. Where else in the word of God do you ever hear about an ox goad? Anyone? Where else in the word of God do you hear about the ox goad? Well, in the book of Acts, we see Jesus Christ himself uses the picture of the goad as an image of the word of God. In Acts chapter 9, verse 5, Acts chapter 9, verse 5, and Saul of Tarsus says, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Now, isn't that interesting that the Lord Jesus would memorialize Shamgar in this way? Using the weapon of Shamgar as the image of the weapon that is used against Saul of Tarsus to bring Saul of Tarsus to the Lord. The pricks are the testimonies and lives of the believers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the word of God by them was too powerful for Saul to refuse and ignore. And by the pricks of the goads he was delivered from the enemy and saved. I mean, in the volume of the book, it is written of me. The Lord honors Shamgar in scripture and for eternity. 
His great feat was by no means a menial one, nor was his weakness and inability a means of disgrace. He was mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, and the Philistines in all their powerful ways of war could not stand against this little man who was empowered by God. Foolishness of the world is not seeking the glory of self, not empowering yourself with its gratification. The ways of God are tossing off the bindings of the, of the world and putting on the whole armor of God. So when we come back to Judges 3.31 and take a look at this again, we're not told, now that some of the things we need to, to, to look at and speculate about, we're not told if Shamgar wore armor nor are we told that he had any other help. All that is given is the picture of him standing alone against impossible odds, armed with only an ox goat. So standing alone, but is surrounded by the strength and power of God by his faith in taking up the weapon to defeat the enemy. His aggressive determination and desire to pursue the will of God and free his people speaks volumes. Plus, this is pictured in the great psalm of the shepherd in Psalm 23, walking through the valley of death, and the Lord's rod and staff will protect. Also, the heavenly powers and help are given, and regardless, if we are physically alone, we are not, we're never actually alone. As is seen with the prophet Elisha, when the enemy was seen as a great and terrible force, the servant of Elisha was overcome with fear, but Elisha knew the power of God and knew that he was not alone against this, and he prayed and asked for his servant to be given understanding. And we see this in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. So all because not much is written does not mean that it does not have much meaning or bearing. Shamgar was a stranger in the land, but his faith and trust against the Philistines was no less than David's feet against the Philistine Goliath. Again, the picture of the Philistines it, as an enemy against the people of God is used to show the power of God over sin. And the deliverance is a picture exemplified by the winning of the soul from sin. David used a sling, a weapon seen as foolish. They wanted him to wear the armor of the king and use the king's sword, but David refused and trusted God alone and went alone to face the giant. Shamgar used no armor, had no sword, and he went alone to face the giant force of 600 enemy soldiers. Just like Samson has stood alone, armed with a donkey's jawbone, empowered by God, slew 1,000 Philistines. When one allows himself to fully trust God and arm himself with the weapon of our warfare, the word of God, no great giant force can stand against us. The word of God is powerful. Full faith in God is powerful enough to move mountains, and the goading of Christ will lead and direct us to victory if we trust him. So again, and after him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, which slew of the Philistines 600 men with an ox goad, and he also delivered Israel. Direct and to the point, Shamgar slew the Philistines with an ox goad, and he delivered Israel. 
With an ox goad, a shameful thing to the enemy, a lowly tool defeated their congregated strength, a tool that brings power to the user, like the jawbone used by Samson, like the little rock used by David, it is power to the user and is deliverance to the hearers. An unseemly man in an unseemly circumstance sent as a messenger of God to break the chains of darkness that is plaguing the people. And like Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10 teaches, in the volume of the book, it is written of Christ. In pictures, images, teachings, as a messenger of God to proclaim the ways of God to break the chains of darkness. This is exactly what Christ and his gospel is, a proclamation of deliverance from sin and its oppressive hold. And Shamgar is seen here as the messenger of salvation of the power of God to the people for deliverance. And to wrap this up with Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 to 21. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead, and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Shamgar, the son of Anah. This simple verse, that when you read it, when you just read the word of God, you only get a baseline of the context, the what? The name, the event, maybe a couple little details that are mentioned in the text. But when you slow down, you slow down your reading, you slow down your study, you take a look at the individual words. You look at the meanings of the words. You take the names. You look at the meaning of the names. And it, it, it just opens up so much that you can get full, giant, massive studies from one single individual word, from one single event, from one single name. Like, we know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Jesus refers to himself as the living bread. Were you aware that the name of Bethlehem means house of bread? See, when you study the word of God, it ceases to just be a book and it comes alive. There you go. It's a simple little study for today. I hope this has been a help and encouragement to you. I was giving you something to think about. Go over this again and take a look at this and put this into practice yourself. Slow down your reading. Back up, go again over it slowly and take a look at each of these things and now investigate. Investigate. Why is it said like that? How is it said? What does that mean? Ask the questions. Investigate. Play Sherlock Holmes on the verses, on the scriptures, and it comes alive and there's so, so, so much that we can learn from this. So, I hope this has been a help and a comfort and encouragement to you. If you appreciate these studies, please give us a like, give us a thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe. Hit, not hit the notification bell icon so you know when we put up new videos and check out all our other videos. We've got tons of other goodies and content. And as well as all our other playlists, we've got tons of different Bible study playlists and walkthroughs and whatnot. As well as our website, ChristianCoffeeTime.ca. We have links to all our other platforms and accounts. So we got tons of other goodies on there. As well as free downloadable gospel track PDFs and e-tracks. Make sure you avail yourself to that as well. And get the word of God out there. And helping them to see the deliverance 
from the enemy, the deliverance from darkness by the power of Jesus Christ. Don't worry about who you are. Don't worry about your abilities or your inabilities or your weaknesses. God will give you the strength. He says, I will give you the words which to say. I will guide you. I will help you. I will comfort you. I will encamp around about you. I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And with that, God bless you, folks. God bless you. God bless all those who love our Lord God, Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love his holy word. Hope to see you again. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.